Welcome back to Ready to Redo. I'm Jo Yang and today we're finally taking a break. We've had some amazing people come on so far, so this will be a wholesome highlight reel. Also, if you don't want to listen to 10 episodes and would rather spend that time listening to music or giving your dog a bath, I don't know, then keep on listening or watching. to celebrate the first 10 episodes coming out, I thought I would give a summary of the key concepts and overlapping ideas of the guests so far. So first, let's just bring us back to the overall goal of this podcast, which is to make education or the education system both relevant and fun. Relevant in terms of you, yourself, your passions, and relevant to society. So what does society need from you and what is valuable um, in terms of work or whatever. And both Rick and Danica have said that the idea of memorization is becoming less and less important with the introduction of technology. So this is what they've said. Right. It doesn't take very long to learn how to do anything or to find information. So why are we still testing on information retention when if we make the internet more accessible to more people, then no one needs to memorize very much unless you're doing something on a daily basis when it makes sense to have that kind of ingrained in you. Teaching and training is for the industrial age. And I think we've known that for a while. So for example, if we are trained for memorization and regurgitation, do we really need that skill anymore? Because we've got Google. And I'm not saying that we're lazy, but if you look at the Kirkpatrick model, that's not really the highest level. That's like level one or two of learning. And of course, just to clarify, memorization is essential to an extent. So if it's something that you're going to be using over and over again, it's really important to memorize it. Um, and especially if you're going to like save someone and like operate on them or something, very important to memorize what you're doing. And also besides memorization, something else that isn't relevant anymore is things like grading. Not that it was even relevant in the first place, but whatever. So giving an A, a B, a C, you don't get that in real life. You don't. You get feedback. You get people's opinions of you <laughs> instead of an arbitrary mark. So for Danica, who went to an alternative school, she gave herself feedback. So the students would give themselves feedback, what they could improve. The teachers would give them feedback as well. And they would give feedback to their peers. I learned it when I was 12, <laughs> how, to, how to give feedback to your peers. And you're 12, so you're not always sophisticated in how you say things. So yeah, there's conflict. But that happens with adults in the workplace. So that was already preparing them for real life. And that really got me thinking about giving tests with real-life consequences and those consequences being your mark or how you should improve in your mistakes. Uh, for example, your test for marketing is to make a marketing campaign for this um, <laughs> aged care center. I don't know why, but you're making it. And if you fail, like if no one responds to it, if it it's not effective, then that in itself will teach you a lesson that a grade cannot. So that will also cement knowledge in you more, like you'll be more motivated to fix your mistakes and like redo it and see how you can improve. And also besides relevancy, rele whatever that word is, fun. So school should be fun. It really should be fun. 
I mentioned how I played Plants vs. Zombies in class because I literally couldn't give a shit about the learning material, um, neither could my classmates. And contrast that with Danica's experience where, where she said this. They could not get me out of the school because I was like, no, I got to write up the newspaper. So it was like Thursday night, but I'm like, but the paper has to be out for Friday. And I'm at, I'm begging my teacher, can you come in early tomorrow? And he's like, I'm not going to come in that early. I'm like, okay, well, what time are you here? Like, I'm getting my mom, like, you've got to get me to school. You got to get me to school at 8.15. And she's like, what's going on? I got to get, <laughs> get the paper out. So now onto the first absolutely major theme that's been, you know, referenced a lot is collaboration and co-creation. So, so that means bringing students into the learning process and actually giving a shit about them. So for Kelly, she mentioned how she was invited into making a deadline or deciding on a deadline with her master's lecturer. And then he's like, and for the final assignment, when do you guys think you'll be able to get that to me? You know, it wasn't like you're doing this and it's due now. It was, we also wrote the question together. And for Danica, she was running this sort of day camp or whatever it was for students. And she had a list of rules, but instead of just feeding it to them and saying, obey and having like, don't do this, don't do that. She invited them into the process. So they ended up making a list of rules together. Because the kids agreed to it and they wrote it and I would have them take turns writing it in their own handwriting and put it up on the wall and you could point to it. But actually, even just in that gesture, they felt responsible and responsible for each other. So now it it didn't make sense for them to reject them or or rebel against them because they made it. (laughs) It's like contradicting yourself if you don't follow them. And something else that was interesting that Danica did was... Me and the counselors, we had you know, what are the rules, right? Like, don't run out into traffic. We were on a busy street. So we had all that. But often those rules are like, don't, 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 don't. Where's the affirmation? So how about just saying respect each other, play safely, don't run out in traffic or play safely. Actually, play safely, it's positive and it kind of encompasses more than, well, I didn't run into traffic. I stayed in this park and picked up this needle. Uh. So another example of collaboration is Rick, an ex-university professor, literally inviting his students to grade themselves in an assignment. So the assignment was, what does an A look like to you? And this really takes personalization into consideration. An A for one student is not the A for another. And so Rick says this. But I want you to know your final grade is based on your growth not baseline skill. And then at the end of the semester, the students were literally asked, what grade do you think you deserve? And this is what Rick found. The student will give themselves the grade within about 5% of their actual point grade. So students were very accurate. And Rick said that some students would even mark themselves down and say, I don't think I deserved an A. I think I actually deserved a B. And I was like, Hey, that, that sounds very, very honest of them. Wow. And he said this. This is a thing, right? Like as an educator, we often feel like students are like sneaky and they're trying to hack stuff. And it's because we don't, we don't show them any care. And this was quite similar to what Danica said. Give people the benefit of the doubt. They're not all like all millennials are so lazy. That is, that's actually not what I've found. 
So what is it in your approach that you're thinking millennials are lazy or entitled or trying to get away with something? Oh, they're just asking because they don't want to do the assignment. I don't think that's true. But I think even as a teacher, if you, if you blame the student, then you don't have to do anything. Cool. So now on to the second major theme, which is self-directed learning. So in our interview with Moko, she says this. To be able to take charge of your learning, maybe that's a better way of saying it. And be like, okay, well, these are the things that I'm learning. What can I do to change this? You know, I think it's important to have those ideas running through our minds at an earlier age rather than only having that realization when you're in university, you know, then you've almost wasted 12 or so years of your education being like, oh, I was just like led to learn these things rather than me being the one learning this information. And I think that will change also how much information we retain as learners if we start to be able to think, oh, this is important information that I want to keep. And you can see how collaboration and self-directed learning are quite similar. The students have autonomy in how they learn and what they learn. But I think a very important trait of self-directed learning is critical thinking and being able to think for yourself. And Kelly and I were talking so much about this, where teachers literally feed us information. Information also that doesn't need to be questioned. It's just widely accepted. We don't develop that, you know, that skill to rebut, to critically think. Um, Instead, we're just taught to absorb. And so when Kelly started her master's, she was asked to do this. You are actively expected to fight the lecturer on most things. They want you to, like, rebut everything. So the whole thing is that the readings that they give you are often not what they want you to take on. They want to give you that and then for you to shred it. So that's a problem with the school system, that they're not giving us a chance to think for ourselves. And the idea of giving opinions, it, it, they're all skills. They're all things that we can learn. But if we're not even being taught in that in school, then when are we going to develop it? And finally, the third major theme, which is work experience and practical learning. So the purpose of learning in school, <laughs> I've gathered, is literally to do a test. It is to get a grade and move on. But the purpose of learning in real life is to learn that information and directly apply it somewhere. So the idea of constantly packing irrelevant theory in school, it just doesn't make sense. And Rick says something which is quite interesting. Knowing information is different from being able to actually do something. You know, it's kind of the whole idea of like, when you learn basketball, do you want to do the physics of like how you should be shooting a ball? Or do you want to get out there and have someone coach you how to shoot a basketball? A large portion of my interview with Moko was about work experience and how she did it at a lab. Ten, I did work experience at the university in like as a molecular biologist. Oh. So I was like, you know, gearing up to become a some kind of scientist. But I got to grade 11 and I started failing chemistry, I didn't get along with my teacher, my maths wasn't very good either, so suddenly I was like, oh, I'm not a science student, I have to change the humanities. So she did well in the final product, the end goal of learning biology or chemistry in school, yet 
she wasn't labelled good at it in school. So somehow between high school and the actual product, she's been disincentivized, disincentivized, disincentivized her from pursuing something that she actually wanted. It's just not correlating. So what what is going on? Anyway, so we have a huge conversation about that. Then we talk about immersive learning. We talk about exchange and why exchange is so useful because you've learned theory. Now you can directly apply it into an environment. Because I lived in this town in the countryside, I had no choice but to speak Spanish. Like one semester versus three days in another Mm -hmm. country immersed in it. The amount of of improvement you make in three days is crazy. So we discuss things like, why don't we give work experience to year seven students or or primary school students even? Because when you do work experience, you can see why what you're learning is relevant, but also you can directly spot what you need to improve on. Oh, okay, I have gaps in my knowledge here because I tried to do this activity and it didn't work. So you go back to your classroom and work on the things that you don't know. Instead of just learning everything vaguely and then finding out when you're like 20 that, uh, okay, well, everything I learned is sort of irrelevant. And so the solution to this, a very underrated and overlooked solution is alternative schooling. So Danica did alternative schooling and they did such practical things like Instead of just doing a biology class and having a textbook, they would bring animals into the class. Like, I don't know if that's allowed now, but... And they would also do a town simulation. So someone would be the banker, someone would be the doctor, someone would be like a hairdresser, and they would actually act the part. They would get the forms, they would... whatever. And if someone went bankrupt, that would affect someone else who would affect someone else. And so you could directly see how society would mimic the same things. So I think she said it was like a mixture of geography and other sort of subjects all mixed together. It was practical, it was fun, and she still remembers it. So they're doing something right here. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed this chunky episode and um, I don't think there's anything more I want to add. Just I hope I save you time. I hope you don't have to, you know, if you don't want to listen to 10 episodes. So, yeah, and I will see you next week. Bye!